0: and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away.
1: Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. everyone, and welcome to this brand new episode of the
0: Geek Buddies! E- e-
1: e- <gasps> yeah. Weekend edition of the Geek Buddies here. Uh, excited to be diving into You see the boys are already having their coffees waking up. So we got a lot to get into today for sure. We're going to talk a little uh, new trailers, including the new Fallout trailer that just dropped just before we started recording this episode, the Furiosa trailer, little Ted trailer action as well. We're going to talk about what we're watching right now, a fun new segment here on the Geek Buddies, and uh, get into some of the comments from Amon Vellani when it comes to Marvel. Is she the savior that everyone is yasqueening queening about? And then uh, our main topic is going to be jumping into Bob Iger's comments about the future of Marvel, quality, supposedly over quantity. And uh, entertainment first, messages second. So, a lot to be diving into here in this episode of the Geek Buddies. But let's introduce ourselves for those of you who may be new. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, Bruce, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon
2: McClung, I'm a television actor and an animation writer. Where a new episode came out just today on YouTube of the third hey. season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. Which one's this one called? What's the
1: episode's title? Do you know? Is uh, um, it, it Go really With The Flow day. or was that last week?
0: It Go With The Flow. This is the Winter Swirl episode. I don't remember what it's called. But uh, oh, okay. I believe okay. this episode was written by yeah. Anasani, Strawberry Shortcake herself. I think hey! Strawberry Shortcake wrote this episode of Strawberry Shortcake. That's awesome.
1: Can I pitch you a true detective, Strawberry Shortcake? I'd like to see that. We're two can too do a going
0: this mission. <laughs> Just you, can, you, can, you can pitch me a lot of things. What What I do with it remains to be seen. <laughs>
1: Two berries going deep into the patch to solve a murder. I think that would be awesome. Anyway, all right, anyway, let's... (laughs) Let's get into things. And for those of you who don't know, uh, well, you're new to the show. The way we do it is we uh, each take a news topic, uh, talk about it amongst ourselves, take a couple of breaks, then we take a big main break and get into our main topic at the end. And that's the Bob Iger conversation for sure. But uh, Mr. McClung, I think you're kicking things off for us.
2: I am, sir. With trailers, trailers, trailers. Uh, yeah, this one just came out today. We get our first look at the Amazon Prime series Fallout starring uh, walton goggins johnny pemberton kyle mclaughlin um yeah so this one you know we're i think we're gonna have to rely a little bit on the on on our audience because um in terms of in terms of like knowledge of the game uh mine is very very little i mean i know it's i know it's sort of post apocalyptic i think it takes place in vegas um i remember the little blonde guy with the thumbs up and the winking um but it is from jonathan nolan brother of christopher nolan creator of westworld person Mm -hmm. of interest Writer, one of the writers of The Dark Knight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this looks like an action-packed Amazon Prime series. Um, outside of that, I'm not really sure what else is going on, but I'll throw it over <laughs> to you gentlemen first. Johnny, why don't you take it away? What did you think of our first look at Fallout?
1: Listen, this has been going on since 2020. They've been uh, teasing this for quite some time. And then maybe because of the strikes, they didn't want to t- go too deep into promoting it. And then, bang, they started dropping images just a few days ago, and now we have ourselves a first teaser trailer for this one. And it's pretty extensive, two and a half minutes of giving you the world and what's going on. And from what I understand, this is very reflective of the game because the first game or the game begins with you coming out of a shelter and then having to figure out uh, this post-apocalyptic world. This is apparently 200 years into the future, got interesting characters, got some uh, vibe with Balt Goggins characters, definitely some Dark Tower vibe to that with his cowboy character here but also the unusual characters that you see in a post apocalyptic wasteland which i think are fascinating and interesting i know this is uh, an actress from yellow jackets which i have not seen but i should certainly put on my list to watch at some point but i like the special effects here i like the feel of this this feels like they sank a lot of money into this one to make it look as authentic as possible it doesn't feel like it's uh, slap together or slap dash in its approach and i like this vibe and the world that they're creating makes me want to watch it as a guy who's only played the video game maybe for an hour once a few years ago um with a a fellow cohort at collider Dennis, Zen. we were doing some video game stuff so for me this kind of captures the right amount of vibe for someone who hasn't played the game extensively to take a chance on a series like this whereas the halo trailer at paramount plus didn't quite 100% grab me. This one does grab me. It makes me want to see it. So, look, Prime Video quietly making some really great content here over the last few years. And this looks like maybe another great entry. And we're supposed to get a boys season four trailer later today. So, uh, good stuff coming there uh, from uh, from Prime Video. Mikey, Mikey what, what do, you do you think? You ready to fall in for Fallout? Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs>
2: at least on my screen you froze for half a second i'm like oh my gosh he rolled oh. he rolled his eyes
0: so hard it made the i internet- can see the freeze happen and i was like that was a well-timed freeze I, it, I i got to i got to make my point without having to make my point about <laughs> you not the show um no, look, I think it was, I was, I was really into it. I like you guys. I don't know a ton about the game. I didn't play fallout. Um, I just know what I know from my friends who are really big gamers, but I think what I took away from it is I just love that we're now living in this era where video game adaptations are getting like the big budget treatment. Oh yeah. Um, I think that, I think that uh, I, I have a lot of friends who are fans of those resident evil movies and some of the other yeah. things from back in the day, but those were never a uh, uh, high profile. You know what I mean? Those were never, like, those were never, like, the things that the studios were bringing out, like, the big guns. Right. And it really feels like with The Last of Us, with this, um, even with Super Mario, with Illuminations, despite the fact that I don't love the movie, you can't deny the fact that they spent a lot of money on that animation. Like, that mm-hmm. animate, that the video game adaptations have now sort of attained a level of respect and quality Uh, that I think is really good because I think that along with superhero stories, uh, I think that the video game adaptations from the popular video games that we love are kind of our modern day mythology. So I like that we're getting these things. The trailer looks great, remains to be seen. I'm with Johnny that like this one, the Halo trailer, when that one came out, I was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, if you loved Halo, I can see how like you'd be excited about this maybe. And then apparently... Nobody was. Um, But this one feels a little bit more um, like it's going to make that leap in the same way that last of us did that, that if you love the game, it has all the markers there that you're like, this is what I loved about the game, but it looks like a story that you can dive into and sink your teeth into, even if you're not a gamer. And I think that's the key is like, you want those stories that kind of can make that leap to the broader audience without alienating their core fan base. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that was the thing is like, in terms of what they're putting up on the screen I'm like yeah this this looks like you spent money on it it looks like there was a lot of care put into this in terms of what the story is and the accessibility of that story for people who aren't familiar with the game that that kind of remains to be seen but I do agree with John um you know Amazon Prime with with the last few things that they've done genre focused things in terms of like The Boys Gen V Invincible I mean they are putting out some really quality storytelling so here's hoping that that continues with fallout and that is coming out april 12th nine days after my birthday uh next year oh. so our next trailer is for another streaming series and this is the this is called ted this is the prequel to the two thousand film 2012 great film, Ted, and also a prequel to the so-so sequel, Ted 2. With this one, you know, we're going back. You know, John Bennett is in high school. Seems like Ted is being forced to uh, attend that high school with him. Uh, Scott Grimes and Alana Ubik are taking over for Ralph Garman and Alex Borstein in the role of, uh, of John's parents and look man if if you are a fan of that first movie which I very much was again not so much the second one um but if you're a fan of that first movie I think this one looks really really fun but we'll throw it over to Mikey first what did you think of our first look at Ted
0: I think Boston accents are funny (laughs) that's what I think Boston accents are just like that like this like I think this looks like a lot of fun I'm definitely gonna check it out uh it looks great um but it really does look like, like I was watching the trailer, and I'm like, they could just say anything in that Boston accent, and I'm, I'm in. I just, I love it. I love it. It's great. Um, no, it, it looks good. Again, we're living in this time where you know Ted as a you know fully realized walking around CG character, main character in a show looks the same way he did in the movie. Like there's no, we're never, we're not dealing with that. We're watching something on TV and we're watching this step down in visual effects or this step down, anything we are watching the exact same tone, the exact same visual effects, the exact same uh, profanity, the exact same, everything that we got in Ted one on the small screen. And it looks good. It looks funny. It looks like, you know, I mean, I think that oddly Uh, Seth MacFarlane is an odd duck to me because I think Family Guy is one of the funniest things in the world. I also think it has zero heart. Like, there's no heart. Like, I've always been more of a South Park guy than a Family Guy guy just because I think South Park manages to get a little bit more social commentary, a little bit more heart, and Family Guy just goes for the jokes, and it goes hard for the jokes. So I can watch a Family Guy clip and go, that's amazing, but I'm not, like, the hugest Family Guy fan. But when you look at uh, the Orville Mm. um seth mcfarland when he wants to go down the road of having like emotional stories and heart he goes there and ted seems to be that balance uh where it's really fucking <laughs> vulgar it's really fucking funny but there's also a little bit of sweetness to it and like there was a little bit of sweetness to this trailer as well that i was like this actually looks like a kind of sweet family coming of age story um with a crazy bear with a gun and prostitutes so you know what if this is where Seth is McF- if this is where all of Seth McFarland's differing skills come together and differing talents come together I'm here for it
2: Johnny what do you think are Boston accents funny what do well, you think sure. of what do you think of Ted
1: as a Yankees fan yes I do think they're funny for diff- for many different reasons but I also uh, <laughs> I also liked this trailer very very much I did a trailer reaction like the day after so it had been 24 hours to pass but I was like I gotta watch this thing and see what my reaction to it is and I really enjoyed it because like you Shannon I love the first movie still go back and watch it every once in a while and or if it's on USA or something but I the second movie was kind of a letdown a little bit even though I think Amanda Seyfried did a nice job for what she was doing in the film and certainly the uh, F Scott Fitzgerald moment is a very funny moment but Overall, the film didn't quite capture, as Michael said, the heart. The first film had a lot of heart. The second film kind of uh, forgot about that, but that was really important. Now we get the series, and I think the series is smart for a number of reasons. One, you're going back in time, so it's not, you're not getting Mark Wahlberg back. You're getting a young kid who a lot of people are liking as an actor. Uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's, he, I know it's he's Max uh, Burkholder. Yeah, Max Burkholder. Yes, a lot of people From like Parenthood. him. And he's, yeah, Parenthood right. And he's, up, he's coming up here as an actor. And so seeing him take this lead role. It works because the kid is relatable. He's an underdog in the situation. He's being bullied, made fun of. He hasn't had sex. And setting it in the 90s. That's how you avoid the 2023 approach to this. Go back into the 90s where it's a little more raunchier. Stuff's a little more open about talking about sexuality, drugs. I mean, they're showing a 16-year-old kid smoking weed and hanging out with his parents having dinner. Like, that's kind of shit you can get away with if you're going to set it in the 90s+. Plus. If you're looking to get a whole well, new I mean, generation, well, I mean, it's
0: legal now. It's legal now, so you can do it. Depending today on too. the state, depending on the state, I think is. But
1: you look, but also the smart part of it is, is you you're setting this at a time that's universal for a lot of people, which is high school. And so, if you want to bring new audience into your TED franchise, go all the way back in time, make him a 16 year old. And so, 16 year olds nowadays watching it might find a connection, might find some uh, universality in the humor. So smart on so many levels. Not to mention the trend actually is funny. It actually works. There are a number of moments here that I thought were really funny. And Scott Grimes and Alana Ubach, great chemistry as his mom and dad. Very funny moments, you know, between them. This is this is your future. Take a look. Those kinds of things are just very funny. Uh, but him, you know, dealing with trying to get laid, trying to have sex, and, his, and Ted, who, who Ted is always trying to help, even though he may be clumsy and foolish in how he's trying to help, he is always trying to help John. So there's, as you said, Mike, the heart is still there here Um in this trailer i thought so yeah i liked it i'm looking forward to it well we will all get to look forward to the laughs and the heart of ted when it comes out on
2: peacock on january 11th and that brings us to our last trailer (laughs) our first look at the uh mad max saga prequel furiosa this is george miller back in back in his back in his environment with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy taking over for Charlize Theron as a younger Furiosa we have uh, a Morden Joe is back we have Chris Hemsworth as our villain um I know Johnny is excited to talk about this one so I'll throw it over to him first what'd you think of that first look of Furiosa
1: yeah, I described this as a size 14 work boot caked in mud kicking you in the chest that's what this trailer was <laughs> and I, I am like 100% on board with this trailer trailer like you know because <laughs> i was kind of hesitant and anya taylor joy who i love as an actress multiple genres really great you know last night soho queen's gambit uh, the northman she's able to play so many different types of characters and different types of roles she can dial into kind of her ingenue wayfishness and then she can also unleash a little bit of fury or anger or evilness in some of the stuff that she does i I, remember, I can't remember the first film that she did that got got her notoriety is kind of thunder horses or something i can't remember what it, but she was great in that so new to, to me
0: it was new mutants it was not new mutants
1: but like to me I, I like this as a next step for her and i think she really like knocks it out of the park in this trailer <laughs> the look the feel caked in dirt caked in oil caked in mud all of this the fighting sequences were look work really well the Com- composition of the shots here from George Miller are phenomenal. This is the difference between Sam Raimi and George Miller. George Miller did films in the 80s, then Fury Road comes out, and he levels up as a filmmaker visually, story wise, and everything, gets phenomenal performances. Multiverse of Madness is still stuck in the 90s aesthetic. There's a difference here, and I'm seeing he's even leveling up even more in this Furiosa trailer, which makes me really excited. I saw some people complaining about the CG, but whatever CG issues, they will clean it up by the time we actually get to see this movie, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. And Chris Hemsworth, for the love of God. This is so brilliant to bring him into this world. Obviously, being Australian, it makes sense, all the sense of the world, but giving him prosthetic nose, having letting him adjust his voice to act to sound so weird and unsettling, as these characters do in Mad Max movies, it's just smart across the board. So I cannot wait. You couldn't have asked for a better teaser trailer, in my opinion, to get you excited for this film.
2: Mikey, what do you think? You ready to
1: get fast and curiosa?
2: Oh, God. Jesus swear, Christ, he's it's too so early for this shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I agree with John. Sometimes you watch a trailer, and sometimes a trailer reaches out of the TV and just starts smacking you across the face. And this was definitely the latter. This, it was. It was a visceral experience to watch the trailer. So I'm only imagining that the movie is going to be that times ten. And actually, I kind of agree with John across the board, particularly on the Sam Raimi thing. I think George Miller hmm. really, George Miller hasn't lost any of the George Miller-ness of George Miller, but he's definitely adapted to the times. He's adapted yeah. to the effects. Like Mad Max Fury Road and this both just feel very of the moment. They feel like these saturated, gorgeous CG worlds. At no point watching Fury Road or watching this trailer do you go, oh, this feels like Thunderdome. Like it feels like a totally different movie. And I agree with John about Sam Raimi. I know that a lot of our listeners are big Sam Raimi fans. And a lot of uh, people were like, I love Multiverse of Madness as a Sam Raimi film. But like, I agree with John that I think that Sam Raimi's still, Sam Raimi feels a little bit dated and this doesn't have it. The thing that's funny about these movies is for someone, and we talk about this all the time, but like I mm. love world building. I love the interconnectedness of the Marvel universe when it works. I love the Star Wars universe. The Mad Max movies, I th- great. It's a Furiosa prequel. I don't care. <laughs> just give me a Mad. Just get George Miller. Just Mad Max me. Like I don't. I don't really need to know how it lines up with F- Fury Road. Like if I can watch them both in either order and go like that's great, awesome. But the Mad Max universe is not one where I'm overly concerned with the continuity or the bigger story that's happening. I just wanna go sit in that theater and have my face exploded by whatever George Miller is doing. And this <laughs> trailer already did that. So I'm fully on board.
2: So it was interesting. I was having a chat with our with our buddy, Mike Kalanowski the other day, mm. and we were talking about, because of all of like the Marvel delays and how Deadpool three is the only Marvel film we're getting next year. He's like, what is coming out next summer? And I'm like, Deadpool three, maybe. Uh Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I'm like, outside of that, I don't know. And this trailer popped up. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. We're getting we're getting the the Furiosa prequel. Um, so the when I first saw the trailer for Fury Road, I mean, that world that that George oh, Mill has established, you know, okay. so well, it's just not a world that I am am like dying to visit. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't like to be assaulted with work boots caked in mud. Um <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw Fury Road, I did really like it. I was like, "Oh yeah, that was great." Same thing with this trailer. I'm like, "This looks visually stunning." This isn't a world I am clamoring to get back to, but I can tell this is probably gonna be a really good movie. Hmm. Um, but in terms of just it, th- that sort of you know post post apocalyptic dystopic you know uh, uh, wasteland, I'm like, ah, this isn't really my world." That being said, it's probably gonna be pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I know.
0: <laughs> Someone has a joke. <laughs> I, it's not a, it's not a joke as much as I just love the your, the specificity of the worlds that you like and don't like and yeah. how it really sums up prim and proper shannon mcclung with it like you're like you're like hey look here's an old timey world with top hats and dirigibles i'm in and you're like oh lot of sand me and anakin skywalker we're out like you're like you're very clear on the geek worlds you like and the geek worlds you don't and if anybody is wearing a bow tie and a bowler cap thumbs with up goggles. with <laughs> if goggles. anybody if anybody's got work boots and uh and is driving through the dirt you're like look ah, looks a little dirty to me i'm gonna pass <laughs> you, you know what this needs bow ties. bow ties it could really use some bow ties <laughs> I to see, in the in the george miller mad max universe i really oh, would God. love a movie where in the middle of the movie shannon and a bunch of proper gentlemen and little like bicycles with like top hats and bow ties came by and they were like good day to you, good day to you, and then just rode off into the distance. <laughs> uh, Penny Farthing bike, the one with the, yep. the
2: one big wheel, and one little wheel. <laughs> but you know, George, I'm really digging the vest. How do we feel about buttoning it up and putting a shirt on underneath?
1: <laughs> and a parasol or two. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, but you could see, because the world is so crazy, the Mad Max world, you could actually see a land like that or an area like that where they could dial into some of that, um, some of that look and some of that feel. So who knows down the road, you know, cause I mean, Hemsworth is wearing essentially a Thor outfit in this show, in this trailer, like with the red cape and the whole vest thing. And he's certainly going meta. So they have no problem making I, fun or, or doing weird shit. That's that the
0: audience is going to love. Yeah. I, I thought something else in this. Tra- I, I want to give hmm. Chris Hemsworth a shout out. Like, yeah. I think Chris Hemsworth is what Jason Momoa wishes he was oh wow like I think I think and look I think Jason Momoa is charming as hell and I think yeah. he's great at Jason momoa but <laughs> he he has sort of like when Justice League came out they kind of made Aquaman like the Thor of that movie and like that's mm-hmm. how they kind of positioned him and when you look at the work that Chris Hemsworth does both outside of Thor and what he does with Thor and even with him talking about Thor and being like I in Thor 5 I would really love to do something different like Chris Hemsworth has the acting chops
1: yeah yeah and oh, Chris yeah.
0: Hemsworth You see him in a trailer like this, and he is just having so much fun. Like you said, John, like with the performance, with the process, like he just—you just look at Chris Hemsworth—is really he has all the charm uh, that Jason Momoa has. But when he steps up to the plate to really try and do some weird acting stuff and make some crazy choices, like he really delivers on it. And I think like Chris Hemsworth is kind of one of those actors that he's so—we're so focused on his you know amazing chiseled body and how funny he is as Thor that we sometimes forget the fact like Chris Hemsworth really is a great actor yeah yeah 100%
1: 100% agree and something like this radiates um that he's got those kinds of chops and that's going to be fun to see with his interactions with uh with Anya Taylor-Joy throughout yeah. the entire film for sure yeah and um we will what? get to
2: see those acting chops Um, even if we don't get to see him in a waistcoat, uh, May 24th, Memorial Day
1: weekend. Steampunk Max. I would love it. (laughs) Um, let's take a quick (laughs) break and we'll jump into some other stuff here on the other side right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture.
2: That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench.
1: Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harrington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse.
2: Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever
1: you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three- Months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use
2: code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Yeah. coming soon coming soon
0: Shannon McClungan mildly annoyed Max <laughs> I'm not going out there <laughs> Mad Max
2: it would be Fussy
1: Max Fussy Max <laughs> don't track that in here um anyway.
0: does no
2: one take their shoes off at the door anymore
0: <laughs> oh god
1: i would pay good money to see this movie chester chester put the boots down chester oh, anyway all right um what are we moving on to next Oh, i forgot we had all fucking think- up. what are we watching is that what we <laughs> are we watching what are we watching <laughs> okay we got a new segment here um and you'll excuse me if i don't have any audio for this one yet but uh, we got a new segment and uh, we're gonna have some fun with it and it's titled uh, There you go. What right. are we right. watching? There you go. What do you think, Mikey? Is it working? Is
0: I mean, those were good graphics. I right. you're getting you're getting pretty good out there on the graphic Thank side. You. I we could it's use some awesome. music for it, but you know I know,
1: I know. I'm, and I couldn't find any music before we started recording this morning, but since cuz we kind of came up with this on the fly, but I will have music for it uh down the road. But yeah, this is a new segment we thought about called What are we watching? And uh, of course, we've we've tossed out segments before in the past and we do have the geek bites as a fun new offshoot show of the geek buddies we thought hey let's have some fun talking about what are we watching you guys liked the last time we talked about what are we geeking out about this is more about what are we watching right now so it could be any number of things that are going on so uh michael let's go to you uh what are you watching right now anything you recommend anything you're
0: enjoying right now so we're gonna go a little retro with mine because i over thanksgiving weekend uh with all the thing with all the new things that i needed to be watching yeah um I um I, I finally got one of our best buddies, Paul Beswick, to start in wow. on For All Mankind. Uh, now For All Mankind on Apple Plus, season four has just premiered a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but For All Mankind is pretty much one of the best TV shows ever made that a lot of people aren't watching. Um and so <laughs> I got him to start watching it. He came over right before he left town on Wednesday of Thanksgiving weekend, and we watched episode four of season one together. Yeah. And then I woke up Thanksgiving morning and i needed something on while i was baking and so i just put on season 5 of episode 1 uh i mean episode 5 of season 1 there you go and uh kind of let it roll and I rewatched all three seasons of For All Mankind over Thanksgiving weekend. Just rewatched <laughs> the entire thing all the way through, uh, and had a hell of a time watching it. And mm-hmm. kind of caught back up to where I was on season four, and just caught right caught right back up. So I did that, and then because it was Thanksgiving weekend, I did my annual rewatch of Hawkeye on oh, Disney Plus. Yes, West. yes. Um, nice. And so I know that we're supposed to talk about the new stuff that we're watching, but uh, a for anyone listening to this geeky show about mm. geeky things who has not watched For All Mankind on Apple Plus, when you finish listening or watching to this podcast, go start it right now. It is truly one of the best shows ever. And the season two finale is one of the best hours and 20 minutes of television I've ever watched in my life. So uh, for those of you don't know, it's like really? sort of an alternate reality. Uh, not alternate reality is too broad. It is a show where the in the first episode, the Russians land on the moon first instead of the Americans. Mm -hmm. And that one single change to history has far-reaching ramifications for America, for Russia, for the rest of the world, and for the space program. Um, Mm -hmm. That with the Russians landing first, the space program kind of keeps going and the competition between America and Russia for who is going to uh, kind of own space uh, keeps going on and on and on throughout the decades and every single season kind of jumps at least a decade or so into the future. So it's really amazing. It's really, really good. It's got an amazing cast, really high production value from Ronald Moore of Battlestar Galactica fame. Like it is a geek show for Mm. geeks. Um, And if you love space, you will absolutely love the show. I know I've got Shannon to watch it. Um, I know I need to get Johnny to watch it. I know. So maybe this will will convince him. But it is true. I will say this for those of you who may be going to watch it. And I say this to everybody. The first two episodes are kind of slow you're kind of like there's a lot of characters i don't really know what i'm supposed to be getting out of this and i get it like the russians landed first big deal and then the third episode is where things really start to pick up so make it to that third episode and if you make it to the third episode you're going to make it to season four in like four days like you will tear through everything and then really quickly i just gotta say because i just finished it uh re yeah. hawkeye i know it's not the most perfect of the disney plus shows and i know that uh, Everyone has their critiques of the show when it comes to Kingpin and a couple other things. But I got to tell you, given where we are with the state of Marvel currently, (laughs) um, watching Hawkeye really reminds you that the beginning of Phase 4 had some real gems. And watching the relationship between Clint and Kate Bishop, uh, watching the way it ties into the blip and the Ronin story, the way it introduces Echo – Uh, and, and Florence Pugh coming in as Yelena Belova and absolutely blowing her performance out of the water. Um, it it really shows you that as much as we sort of complain about the good old days of phases one through three of Marvel, phase four has, there's a lot of gold up in those hills that has been, uh, kind of left on the floor and if they pick up those pieces, they could really get us back. But like watching Hawkeye really was a – it was a joy of the marvel that we love. So even uh, even though I don't have anything new, new to say, I highly recommend this holiday season re-watching Hawkeye. And if you haven't watched For All Mankind, I don't know what the hell your problem is. It's sitting there on your TV waiting for you. Go watch it right now.
1: I mean if you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, it's sitting on your TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure but no but you make an excellent point about hawkeye and that's something that i've I've been waiting to watch it because we haven't got our tree yet uh because uh lady outlaw has been sick for five days whoever was sick at thanksgiving uh i've got a blood feud with you and so she is just still hasn't recovered enough for us to go get a tree yet but when we do first thing i'm going to do is pop on hawkeye and watch it from beginning to end while i look at the tree so that is absolutely going to be appointment watching for me so it's a great choice here and one more thing Luke Barnett, who is a, a follower of mine, is an actor on For All Mankind, or is a, was a uh, had a guest spot on All Mankind for All Mankind, and he tweeted out about it. And I said, "You know, the Geek Buddies are trying to get me to watch this show," and he's like, "You've got to watch it. It's legit, legitimately great." He says it's it's like madman meets The Expanse. So that kind of yeah. got me a little more on board with this thing. So I think I'm going to go start watching it next week. So I'll take it slow, but I will start oh, watching.
0: Yeah, it is. You won't take it slow. You'll try. <laughs> and then you will be like, and then you will be like, it's two a.m. Maybe I'll watch one more episode before I go to sleep. Like you will oh, not be able to stop. Shannon, true or false? Uh, true.
2: You will text in those first three episodes, being like, "Hey, you guys, I'm not sure. Sure, I'm not so yeah. sure. This might, this one might not be for me." Yeah. Uh, but once you get past that hump, it it takes off like a rocket, yeah. just like they do in for all mankind. Mm. Oof. Oh God. Oops. I need more coffee.
1: (laughs) Fussy Max. What do you (laughs) got?
2: So the one that I really want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to leave that to John because John was the one who told me about it. Oh, yeah. Yes. uh, If you have an Apple Plus uh, subscription, along with For All Mankind uh, Season 4, which has been just dynamite, Mm. um, there's also uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Mm. So... This, if, if you are a fan of those uh, Monsterverse movies from from Legendary, you know, uh, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, Kong versus Godzilla, I don't know which one comes first. Um, the, the sort of critique in those films, <laughs> ironically, has been the uh, uh, lack of a human story. It's just hmm. like, eh, the, the humans just aren't that interesting. Um, what, three episodes, four episodes in thus far? I think the, the humans in this came series
0: was it fourth, mm-hmm. yes, fourth episode I, I yesterday think
2: the, i think the fourth one just came out i haven't watched yeah. it yet um but thus far the humans that they have introduced in this series are pretty interesting to watch now i don't know where the show was going to go i mean the the you know the the, the wheels could certainly fall off the bus mm-hmm. um but kurt russell and wyatt russell playing the same character you know it with this time jump it's really it it those two together are just really, really great, despite the fact that they don't share the screen because of the same person. Um, the, the the brief looks that we do get at the kaiju are really, really cool. So <laughs> if you start For All Mankind, um, you can also check out Monarch Legacy and Monsters. Um, the other two, I'll try to be quick here. Um, one is a show that was on Peacock called Killing It. This is with Craig Robinson. This is oh, yeah. low-key one of the funniest shows on TV, so the you know the guys who made this, you know, they were responsible for like Brooklyn Nine Um, it, he he is a guy in South Florida. He he's divorced. He he has he has a, a a daughter. He is just trying to make his way. His brother's a little bit of a crook, um, but it's just about him trying to get the money together to start a saw palmetto berry farm um and it is shocking the twists and turns this show takes because again along with being just storytelling it's just really really compelling it is so so funny the supporting cast in this are all fantastic the, the the lead um the lead actress i'm i i can not remember her name she was in love on netflix she's australian Claudio, Claudio um, who she also popped up. She was um, Steve Bonnet's <laughs> wife in uh, in uh, uh, what, uh, what we do our, in flag uh, our flag means death. Our flag means death. She she's his wife well, she's in the great. first season. So she's she is so funny and so sweet and so earnest. The show it, it is a half hour. There's only the first two seasons are only eighteen episodes. Um, you can really blaze through it, and it is a very very funny show. And the last one I'm going to talk about is uh, Lawman Bass Reeves. Yeah. This this is one that I was really, really looking forward to. I do like the the Taylor Sheridan verse on Paramount Plus with 1883, with 1923. This show isn't really connected to those, but it very much takes place in that world. Um, David Oyelowo is, is doing fantastic work. Um, and again, the supporting cast is, is just stellar. You know, you've got Donald Sutherland, you've got Dennis Quaid, you've got, uh, uh, Shea Wiggum. Um, it, it is about the first black U.S. Mm Marshal and just the first few episodes. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Like it's, 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 it's not great, but it's fine. The further the show is gone, I think we're in episode, I think I just finished episode five. Mm -hmm. It is starting to get very, very good. And if you like, just like an old West cowboy show with a really compelling lead in David Oyelowo, check out Lon and Bass Reeves. It's excellent.
1: Yeah, it's doing really well. It's uh, The first two episodes amassed a collective 7.5 million viewers across the world in the first seven days of its release, Uh, and that's more than double the 3.55 million viewers that tuned in live plus same day for the back-to-back broadcast premiere on CBS, according to Nielsen stats. So, it's doing really well, so this is something that may we may get second season for this, uh, and I've definitely got to dive in. I may power through the five episodes tomorrow, to be honest with you.
0: Because I watched the first, I'm I mean, I watched the first two, and based on you know Shannon's. Uh, uh, overall opinion of them i agree like i was like this is good yeah like i'm not like blown out of the water i'm not like i got it but i was like this is very good it's very solid it's really well done it's really quality but uh i haven't caught up with the rest yet so now i'm excited to dive back in great segment guys i got i now i got stuff to watch today (laughs) um okay
1: so i'll go quick through the stuff i'm about to finish which is uh first of all the golden bachelor This has been, I've never watched The Bachelor. Never, ever, ever watched The Bachelor. I am adamant (laughs) against these type of shows, but The Golden Bachelor has been incredible to watch. The human drama from these people in their 60s and 70s as they navigate love is heartbreaking and touching and moving and catty and drama-filled. It is hilarious every hour, but also painful as you watch these people legitimately are heartbroken that they don't get chosen, legitimately get far enough and not get selected and see the shattering of their of their feelings, but also see the way they're they bounce back. And so there's a lot here that is a fascinating experiment to watch. I usually hate The Bachelor because I think it's pretty fucking shallow, but Golden Bachelor there's much more humanity to this than I expected in heart. So we've got the two hour season finale we need to watch yet, but so far up until this point, it's been stellar. Amazing Race has been an awesome season this season. We powered through these during COVID. Like we watched all 34 seasons during COVID, like from, oh to, from 2000 on, like we watched all 34 seasons, like just constantly from next, 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 next. And we didn't go in order. Like we went, we, we, we found like top 10 lists, top 20 lists. And so that's how we kind of consume the seasons and then watched the rest of the seasons after that. This season has been incredibly fun. They've got a, they've got a pairing here, a father and son, a father who's deaf and his son who like it does ASL the whole time and how he's navigating this stuff. It's really incredible. They got these two young black nerds who are just doing great work on the show in navigating all these challenges and some interesting teams that they've got overall. An older father, like a hillbilly older father, a southern older father, and, her, and his daughter who is much more aware of the world. So just great combination of, of people that you can enjoy. And it's got, again, it's got really positive messages as you're watching the show, and I think that's good for where we're at nowadays but the stuff for that is um not reality based well actually one more reality based show and that is squid game the challenge if you have not watched this show i cannot tell you how much to watch this show it is so fucking great the finale is next week you have time to catch up to nine episodes they're about 40 to 50 minutes each and they fly by and you are going to be like completely insanely unsettled through these nine episodes. And it they they make variations on the challenges from the actual series. And the variations are smart. One of them is Battleship, Human Battleship, which I think is just genius the way they did that. And they do have that sequence of where they're walking across the bridge and panels fall out. There is that sequence in the show. So it is pretty incredible what they've done with this reality series. And I've been loving it. And the three people you would not expect to reach the finale have reached the finale. And it is even more insane to see that for sure. Um, as for the uh, the scripted stuff, really loving Frasier right now. I can't believe I'm playing <laughs> Frasier. I hated those first two episodes, but they've really found their rhythm. And having Bebe Newworth come back as Lilith last week, or two weeks ago rather, is was genius. And now they've got Perry Gilpin coming for the finale, which they teased. In a, uh, a, a promo for the upcoming finale, which I think is so smart. I'm really surprised they figured it out. They unlocked how to make it work for 2023, and it has. And it and and I think Kelsey Grammer, for whatever <clears throat> your feelings are about his politics, he's doing great work with this Frasier. And I'm just so happy to see it because I love this character so much, and I've been enjoying it. That's on Paramount Plus. And the other thing on Paramount Plus, Colin from Accounts. Man, this sitcom has been such a wonderful revelation. The the Paramount people sent me the first eight episodes ahead of time, and I was like, I don't know, an Australian sitcom. I I do like Australian stuff, don't get me wrong, but I was like, do I really want to? And then I started watching it, and we couldn't stop. It is so good. It is sweet. It's an interesting story. A guy in his 40s who accidentally hits a dog. Uh, The dog lives, but the dog's a little crippled but the reason he hit the dog is because this woman who's 29 years old and going through a breakup flashes in her breast as she's walking across the street as a kind of wild rebellious thing to do. He gets distracted, hits the dog. Now they're both having to take care of the dog because they're both complicit in what happened to the dog and how their relationship progresses. It's a half-hour sitcom, and it's very funny. It's very dry humor, Australian dry humor, but also some occasional moments of broad humor that really work, but also about the human relationships going on here being someone who's 40 dating someone who's 29 who's t- turning 30 but also her work relationship relationship with her mom who, who is played by the woman who played Elvis's mom in uh, in Elvis and um, also what he's going through and navigating as because as, he owns a brewery so it's all of a so he's got his own kind of approach to it so I'm telling you if you're looking for a refreshing new comedy Colin from Accounts is just just incredible it is Unless, great well, yeah, Shannon you enjoy the show I'm, I'm sure the birthday episode John oh, birthday <laughs> episode. The birthday episode was like it was like the John Favreau scene from Swingers when he's on the phone <laughs> for 30 minutes. That's what it felt like. It was like you were just like banging your head on a wall. And the last thing I will say this, I just saw it last night. You guys can kill me for this if you want, but I really enjoyed Candy Cane Lane. I thought it was a sweet little Christmas <laughs> movie. You know, Eddie's recent output has not been great, let's just be honest. But I thought this was actually really fun. Him and Tracy Ellis Ross and Kristen Bell. Uh, I think that's her name, right? Kristen Bell. They, they, they are very funny in this show, uh, movie. And it's kind of a mixture of horror and Christmas movie. Uh, And so I was like, this is interesting in its approach. It retains the lighthearted family vibe to it, which is kind of what maybe uh, kind of affects the ending a little bit. But overall, this is very watchable and enjoyable for a Christmas movie you want to have on while you're wrapping presents or you're decorating the tree. It's so non-offensive, but there are some fun jokes within it. Uh, It doesn't all work, but a lot of it does work to enjoy it. So just throwing it out there is... Maybe something you could put on on a Saturday afternoon during the Christmas season. So, those are the things that I'm watching. Is that all right? That good. All right, That's there we it. go. All right, let's, all right, let's take a break. And on the other side, we're going to get into a little bit of a battle uh, right after this. Do 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 do. All right, let's battle! Let's get ready to rumbo. So I brought this up to the two gentlemen on the show. We're obviously much more well um, adjusted and balanced and normal people than I am. So I, but I thought this would be a fun discussion to have, and that is I have come to a place where I am a little Iman Valanied out. Um, and I want to discuss it with the boys and see their thoughts on this, because Ahmad Vellani, uh, gave has been giving recent interviews, of course, to promote the Marvels, of course, very excitedly now that the strike is kind of over. We don't know yet because the vote still has to happen. But she's been making a lot of comments about what she would do as a 21-year-old with limited experience running a universe to fix Marvel. And uh, one of the things she says is, I don't know. I don't know if it's just about getting bigger and bigger because then, like, what's left, you know, I think it's just about making the audience care about their characters Wow, no one ever thought of that before. And I think they've established so many wonderful characters in the last phase of the MCU that it would be nice to see them all again and see them team up. So maybe teasing what a lot of people were speculating about uh, that we might see in Secret Wars. And she said, I think because there are so many new characters, people want to like start shipping people together and be like, oh, seeing Kamala and like the Red Guardian together. Uh, no one would say that. Like imagining all these pairups, and I think that would definitely pay off. It would be like, you know, the next Avengers. And so she's given some really interesting comments, but then when she's talking about the Marvels and the box office flop of the Marvels, she says, I don't want to focus on something that's not even in my control because what's the point? That's for Bob Iger. The box office has nothing to do with me. I'm happy with the finished product and the people that I care about enjoy the film. It's genuinely a good time watching this movie and that's all we can ask for with these films. It has superheroes. It takes place in space. It's not that deep. And it's about teamwork and sisterhood. It's a fun movie and I'm just so happy that I can share it with people. So to me, I, I, you're the, you're one of the three stars of the movie. You're supposed to care about the box office. It does matter because that could lead to you possibly not playing this character again, which you're enjoying playing if you don't do well. Plus you're the star of the lowest rated Disney Plus show. We enjoyed it, but overall I'm just find this to, ha- for someone who is not really a big part of the Marvel universe in terms of being able to get good financial returns from it. I find it to be fascinating that she has all these ideas and thinks she knows how to fix the Marvel universe when nobody's watching the content that she's putting out as Ms. Marvel gentlemen, am I off base?
0: Oh yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you are. I told you, I told you when we were texting about this, that you're off base, but yeah, but I said we could talk about it in front of everybody. I mean, a couple things. One, go ahead. It's not like she's Rachel Ziegler. Like, she's she's not, like, going exactly under the like, carpet yeah. and, like, she's not dissing her movies. She's not saying, no. oh, well, the source material's garbage, but I'm glad that we're doing something different. Like, she's a hardcore comic book fan. I mean, like, she is, she's, like, a fan of the source material. She is a nerd. She, just like her character within the MCU, is a person who is a nerd about this universe that now gets to be a part of the universe and Mm -hmm. everything that she says is sort of just a reflection of that and also everything she says is a pretty benign and b accurate um Mm. i think that what she says about what marvel needs to do to fix the universe you might be right it's an easy thing that everybody can say, yeah, you should really put the characters first and make us care about the characters. But Marvel hasn't been doing that for the last few movies, so she's not wrong. Um, Marvel introduced us to Shang-Chi, it introduced us to Yelena Belova, it introduced us to the Eternals, it introduced us to all these characters who have yet to get together and we're coming up on the end of phase five. Uh, And so Riri Williams, like all of these characters, like, yeah, yeah, there's all of this promise But by this point in phases one, two, and three, we'd already had two Avengers movies. We had already seen all of these different characters come together and that spawned more stories. And here, poor Shang-Chi is just like chilling somewhere. I don't know where. So she's right. And also as far as her response about the Marvel's box office, you know, you can do one of two things when your movie doesn't do well. You can pull a Billy Eichner And you can go on twitter and yell at everybody and say you didn't come see my fucking movie you're all homophobic what's wrong with you or you can say hey i'm proud of the work i did as an actor i can't control what people do the executives need to worry about the box office my job as an actress is to do the work and i'm proud of the work that i did which for a 21 year old is a pretty mature way of looking at things so Mm -hmm. i I, I am not Valani'd out and I also think that everything she says is completely well within the bounds of what someone should say which is why when you texted us I was like sure let's talk about it
1: <laughs> literally the human, the human version of the emoji shrug um, <laughs> um, Shannon your thoughts on this am I being a crotchety old man yelling at the sky
2: Um. well it's not the sky it's that one cloud that you're shaking your fist at <laughs> in the sky (laughs) um you know based i mean in terms of how the movie did yeah i mean she she had a classy response to a question Mm -hmm. um basically saying because yeah there 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 is nothing she can do at that point the movie was made it was reshot um or or had reshoots and then it was released i mean that is the that is the extent of her involvement yeah. Um she wasn't allowed to go out and, and promote it until the 11th hour. Um had the had they had a couple weeks of promotions would it have done better? Probably, but would it have done would it have done what the first movie did? Probably not. Experience. Like for for whatever reason, you know, the audiences just didn't respond to this one. Um the folks that have gone and seen it, um I I I feel like most of the folks Liked, liked parts of it. They're like, yeah, this is, is this perfect? Of course not. But is this better than some of the things that we have gotten? Yeah. So I feel like her response to that um, was correct. Like, look, I'm, I'm proud of the work I did. um, And this is Bob Iger's, this is his, this is his concern which she is right. I mean, he is the one ultimately that has to kind of sift through, sift through the financial mess and decide what path they're going to take forward. Um, In terms of how to fix the Marvel universe. I mean, I think the quote that you read started off with, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think, again, she is responding. She's responding to a question and she's responding with things that they did do in the first three phases. Like, you know, we have, you know, we got to care about, we got to care about them as characters. Now, do I think Miss Marvel is a perfect Disney plus series? No, no. Mm-hmm. I think it takes that dip in the middle. Um, I think that, uh, episode that, uh, what is it? Charmaine abad Chinoy, the one who's going to yeah. direct Star Wars. I think that was a really bad episode. Like there was yeah. some really bad stuff in it. Um, that being said, the series finished and we liked Kamala. We liked the cons. We wanted to see more of them. Now it, You know, if people didn't tune in, they didn't tune in like and, you know, they and and I believe leading up to the Marvels, they did put Miss Marvel out on Hulu and ABC to try to get more eyeballs on it. Try to make the the movie going public at large more aware of this character who they are a fan of. And they probably have some big plans. So. You know, I, I think the whole like if, if Miss Marvel ends up doing anything with Red Guardian in Secret Wars, I think it will be like, oh, you, I'm on. You got to.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, you, I think she was talking team up, but she said shipping in the sentence, so to me that may implies you know romantic. I relationship mean, she was obviously
0: not talking about shipping in the way that we talk about shipping yeah. Ew. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I think she probably was uh, maybe less Secret Wars, but more um, Marvel Zombies um yes because i know that uh i know that i mean she's already said this and i'm sure because marvel told her she could say this but miss marvel in the animated marvel zombies that's coming out is sort of central to that story and i'm pretty sure red guardian is also featured in uh marvel zombies as well so i wouldn't be surprised if we get to marvel zombies and we see the two of them working as a team and we go oh that's fun but i mean Again, to that point, and John, we talked about this when we did our uh, trailer reaction Mm. to What If. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why I'm so excited about What If Season 2 and Marvel Zombies... And eventually why we all want to see Secret Wars is because the thing that we're not getting right now is all of these different characters coming together. Yeah, I mean, even just watching Hawkeye, as I was talking about, you know, when you see Kingpin show up and interact with Kate Bishop or Kate Bishop with Clint or Clint Mm. with Yelena Belova or Kate with Yelena, like seeing these characters from different movies come together into each other's worlds, that's what we love and that's what we're not really getting. So again... She's not wrong. <laughs> Fair point.
1: Now, as you guys talk about it, because I, I brought this up because I kind of want to negotiate my feelings on this because I know something bothers me, but I'm not sure what it is. And I thought initially it was maybe Iman Velani, but I think maybe it's all the people out there who are yasqueening her because it's getting to be a little annoying as if she's saying groundbreaking stuff. And I think that's where I get a little bit frustrated by the hype machine around her because, like, honestly, the worst flop in the MCU the lowest rated disney plus series so where is the cachet that she has to be saying this outside of the bubble of the people who like uh, the mcu the general populace is clearly rejecting what she's doing as ms marvel because they're not interested to watch the content she's doing as ms marvel that has no slight on how she's playing ms marvel because i think she's fantastic as ms marvel my 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 bothersome is that everyone is trying to like make a big deal out of this and they're not dealing with the reality of the fact that you know she's not that popular outside of the MCU playing the character which it has to be said it's the honest truth um, yeah and I guess that's where I get a little bit like because I see people tweeting all the time now about the Marvels they post the Marvels go, these people deserve an apology you know these kinds of things it's like I mean, y'all call them the
0: fuck well shit. so okay two things to <laughs> no, say it's yeah. Two things. One, um, and then we we'll move on because we got to argue about Bob Iger. We do. But one, we do. Um, <laughs> one is although Miss although Miss Marvel the series did is not the most popular Disney Plus series, and although the Marvels did not perform well yeah. in both of those things. Critics and audiences alike were like, well, we love her. We love the her and the cons kind of come out of both of these things unscathed. Like the Mm -hmm. issues with Miss Marvel, whether your issue is the effects or the villain story was kind of lame, or like there's a lot of complaints that you can make about Miss Marvel, and I think Shannon nails a lot of them, but she's not one of them.
1: Yeah.
0: She's she's great throughout. And when you watch the Marvels, even when we did our review of the Marvels and talked Mm -hmm. about it. The, like the three of them, Tayona Paris, Brie yeah, Lawson, yes. and Amal kind of come out going like, I like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie around them is not great, but I actually like the three of them. So, um, I think she has it. And also like, Again, she's a 21-year-old actress, and she's playing this very popular comic book character, and mm. she's going out on um, doing press, and people are asking her questions. Like, should she go, oh, you know what? I would love to respond to that, but I'm not very popular, yeah. so I think that I should keep my mouth. Like, she's going to, yeah. if asked, she should answer. So, so I, guess, I guess my issue is not with on Milani. My issue is exactly
1: reacting to it and uh, going overboard, which is a little... But I
0: do think yeah. you do have an issue with that I think... Is, is an issue and it, it bothers me on Twitter too. And it's not just the Marvels, it's every movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every movie right now. It doesn't matter. Like it could be the Marvels, it can be Elemental, it can be uh, the Ahsoka series. Right. Is Twitter or X uh, and social media in general has just become so polarized that if you, if you come out of the Ahsoka series as just a different example than the Marvels and you go, yeah. I really loved Ahsoka. I felt like it was a little, you know, Sh- tell me no not show me it wasn't as exciting as i wanted i feel like dave filoni didn't it, it wasn't it wasn't a win for me right you have half of your followers going how dare you it was great right. it was perfect it moved me and you have the other half of the followers be like you liked it it was garbage it's the worst star wars is in the toilet and you're like you don't get to have either Response. So when I see people talking about the Marvels and they go, "I can't believe people aren't seeing this. It's the best Marvel movie I've seen in years." I'm like, "No, it's not. (laughs) There's some enjoyable parts. It's not the best Marvel movie you've seen in years." Like, so I think there's there's not a lot of nuance. And if we can't have nuance about ahsoka and the marvels we certainly can't talk about israel and palestine you know what i mean like, whoa, whoa, like whoa. Everything. <laughs> well i'm just saying like we're living <laughs> in a world where you where everything is so polarized and like nobody wants to just say this was in the middle somewhere
1: yeah yeah it's weird like that yeah i agree i think it's frustrating on, on so many levels because we can't just have the conversation be honest about it uh, because the inherent belief is for people who like the movie is that everyone who doesn't like it went in with their mind made up. But they went in with an open mind, totally open mind and love. This is your. I-
0: this is, bullshit. this is your issue. This is what yes. you tweeted about. Now we've got this therapy session of <laughs> Geek. This, this session of geek therapy <laughs> has been solved. This is what you're upset about. You're upset that you didn't like the Marvels, and everybody is calling you a misogynist because you didn't like it and that you yes. didn't like you're not supporting women and you're not supporting this, and you're like, I just didn't like the movie. that's what you're upset about well it not me personally but just seeing the sweeping
1: indictments of everyone right it's just everyone and i think that's that's ignorant i really i want to say it very harshly and very strongly i think that's ignorant we can have honest discussions about this movie because there are good things and bad things about the movie it didn't overall work but there's a way to have conversations without denigrating the entire side because to me it slides into that political tribalism that supposedly a lot of liberals supposedly hate Yet they're willing to dive into it when they're talking about it with, in the Marvel uh, spectrum, which is frustrating. Spectrum A, hey. uh, Shannon, you're always in the middle on this. What's uh, what's your final <sighs> response on this? Uh, help us out. What's your
2: I mean, I, I guess again because I, I, I don't traverse the social media landscape you're as, so as much as other folks. You're so I mean, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the Yas Queen. To Amon Valani's statements.
0: <laughs> I also had I just want to seen... say listening to the YouTube 2 heteronormative folks saying Yas Queen a lot is very uh, entertaining, all on its own for different reasons. Oh, sure. I mean, when this is
2: read back in a court, you there will be quotes around that. <laughs> 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 um, but also I haven't seen the denigration that you guys are talking about that if you mm. didn't like the Marvels, that somehow you're a misogynist. Um, so I oh, haven't I haven't seen that. Um, if, or
1: if
2: a racist, like if that is the case, then that's a, that's a silly, that is a silly argument yeah. to say that I didn't like this movie. Therefore in the Venn diagram, <laughs> I hate women and I don't like people of color. Um, that, that is ridiculous. So, um, it, again if that is what you experienced johnny i understand the vitriol in your voice at the beginning of this
1: yeah so i want to apologize to mom balani keep saying all the things you're saying we, you know you've got every right to do it as a 21 year old you know walking into the world of hollywood who i think people are so embracing her as this kind of like you know fresh I, she's a lot smarter than you think and i think she's playing this game a lot smarter than people understand and i think that Speaks volumes about how prepared she is for this moment. So, yeah, thank you guys for this conversation. I appreciate it. This has been the end of the Geek Buddies therapy session. So let's take a break <laughs> and let's get into someone who might need some therapy as well. uh Right after this break, right here. <laughs> do doo-doo, do 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 um, all right. Uh real quick, uh because I already presented the model. Let's jump into this Bob Iger situation. He was at a New York Times uh a deal book summit conference mm-hmm. here, the same conference where Zaslov said it took him courage as a billionaire to shut down films and Elon Musk. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Elon Musk told uh, Iger to go f himself for pulling uh, uh, um, for Disney pulling ads off of uh, X or Twitter. Um, Bob Iger was asked about the future of Disney, where they're going. He spoke about you know that he felt the Marvels didn't work because not enough executives were on set, which is really confounding, uh, and that um, that the sequels that maybe they need to look at sequels a little bit more. But the big thing that he said that a lot of people are talking about is that he. Wants entertainment to come first and messages second, uh, and that he is going to focus on quality over quantity. So, uh, Michael, you've been in these rooms, you've been an executive, you've had these conversations. Um, you're a huge Disney nerd. Uh, what are your thoughts when you hear this stuff from Bob Iger? Is he wrong? Is he right? What do you feel?
0: Yeah, he's I feel like this is like Bob Iger before his coffee, like, (laughs) I don't think. Like, when you read the full quotes, when you really, like, read everything he says, context, yeah, yeah, you're like, okay, it's not – it's not 100% off base. But when you take some of the the bites out and you pop them up on social media, you're like, okay, like, <laughs> whoa. And it's like – I just feel like the messaging was not – so, like, first – and I've seen – a I, so, as a former executive, mm. I will say that, like, I probably have – a bit more respect for what good executives do than others. I think mm-hmm. that traditionally in geek culture and in fan culture, the idea is creatives good, executives bad. Yeah. Like right. let let the director, let the writer, let the actors do what they want to do. Ooh, big mean executive with the with the bags of money being like, "Don't you do this. I'm going to get mad at you." And like that. And so I was like, "Oh, executives get out of here." But the reality is <laughs> the industry really works best when the push and pull of creative and commerce are working hand in hand. And I think that his quote about, so taking it like one by one, yeah. his quote about the Marvel's failed because there wasn't enough executive oversight is just like, don't say that <laughs> now it is probably true. Like we have said this, every geek has said this, yeah. what's wrong with Marvel right now? Kevin Feige is spread too thin. What is Kevin Feige? He's an executive. That's true. Like, it's not Nia DaCosta's job to know that secret invasion outlawed aliens and that you should have this thing nuanced and that the connections of the Marvel Universe aren't really working and we want to see... Like, there is an interconnected quality to what's not working right now that is an executive-level problem. It's not Sam Raimi's fault. It's not Taika Waititi's fault. It's not Nia DaCosta's fault. Like, it's none of their fault. So there is a level of COVID happened executives were all over the place, Kevin Feige spread too thin, Iger is out, Chapek is in, that at that top level, you're like, yeah, like, I think some stuff fell through the cracks. And it's none of the individual creatives issues to deal with. Mm -hmm. So do I think that's why the Marvels failed? No, I think the Marvels is just not a good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that maybe a big executive stepping up post writer strikes and actor strikes and going, you know what the problem was? Needed more executives is just not the right time to say it. But the reality is, he's probably not 100% wrong that at that executive level, they need to have some big discussions. I mean, even like when we talked a few weeks ago about that Marvel retreat. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. And how usually the Marvel retreats are all about, hey, guys, let's all high five. Marvel's killing it. And this was, guys, we got to figure it out. You know who's at those retreats? Bye-bye. executives Yeah, exactly. so even as we've been talking about this we've all been saying guys the marvel executives need to sit down in a fucking room and work their shit out and then tell all the creative teams this is what we're doing um so we're all kind of saying the same thing he said it's just maybe there's a way of saying i like my friends call it vogling, but it's where you say something yeah. like take bob iger says you know what the problem with the marvels was Not enough executive oversight. You're like, oh, that sounds bad. Whereas had he come out and gone, you know why I'm excited to be back? Because I think that there's good executives and bad executives. And I think good executives give their creative teams all of the support they need to make the best movie possible. And I think in the past year or so, the executive teams have not been giving the creative teams the support that they need. Mm. Sounds a lot better. It's the same fucking thing. Mm. So I feel like that's why, I mean, maybe Bob Iger should have had his coffee. Um, (laughs) The sequel thing again, he sort of said both things, but he said we shouldn't make as many sequels and you shouldn't make a sequel just to make money. Correct. He also said, we're going to make more sequels. If we have really good stories, there's no reason to make a sequel unless you have a really good story to tell.
1: Yeah.
0: Also correct. Nothing there is wrong. Um, he's basically saying Bob, basically all he's saying in these two things is Bob Chapek made a real, a bunch of stupid decisions (laughs) and trying to make better decisions. Like that's all he's really saying. Now the last thing, it was an interesting one because this is the one that I disagree with the most on the face of it Mm -hmm. is the, we shouldn't be making stories with messages. It should be story first and we shouldn't be putting messages first. And I think that, those two things go hand in hand. I think a really good story has a really strong message. Like I think a creator comes in and they want to tell their story. But then he kind of said, I think uh, putting story first with really strong messages is good. I love Black Panther. That's a great example. Yeah. But I feel like in the past two ye- a couple years, we've been putting message above story. And as someone who thinks we need lots of representation and we need to talk about uh you know we need to tell stories from people who haven't had their stories told mm. i think messaging is super important and i think that this is something again the way he said it was not great but then to use black panther as an example of what they should be doing i think we can all agree that black panther is a great movie it did huge box office it is a great story but when you have when you talk about T'Challa's story, when you talk about what Wakanda represented to the Black community, when you talk about Killmonger's arc as a villain, it does have strong messages. So, it's not like he's saying, let's not do messages. Mm. He's saying, our movies need to be entertaining first, and they're not really entertaining lately. So... It's when you read the full quotes. And again, I'm a Disney fan. I genuinely like Bob Iger. I don't think he's always on target. And I think as he gets older, he gets a little crotchety, but I genuinely think that him coming in and saying, we need to do less. We've been doing too much. We need to put quality over quantity. We're gonna pull way back. And my main job right now, it's the other thing that he said in in all the articles that are coming out right now is my main job right now is to sit down and help fix Marvel. Hmm. And so even though all of the comments, when you look at the sound bite, you're like, what the fuck? When you read a little bit deeper, you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> That's my executive corner from the from the executive office response to uh, Bob Iger's quotes.
1: And he's got to take a call and slam the door. So thank you for <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts on all this uh, um, and all the comments here from Bob Iger at the DealBook Summit.
2: Well, I mean, I think Vogel attacked literally every argument (laughs) on both
0: sides
2: (laughs) so what what i would say is that in terms of like we need to make things entertainment entertaining first um uh, agree with vogel like your story and your message if if your story is working those two go hand in hand so if it feels like the message is 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 what's you know kind of leading the movie then your story is not working well so it's. I don't think anyone sets out to be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna deliver this message," um, and and we'll try to sneak a story in there. That's not. I don't think that's what any good creator wants to do. Like they want they want to tell you an entertaining story and ha- and have you get something from it, something that sticks with you in terms of that lesson, in terms of that message. Right. That's that's in general. That's everyone's right. kind of objective. Um, is they. Those those two things need to go hand in hand Um, in terms of the quality. It's funny because a a lot of phase four and maybe my timeline is off, Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of phase four, I don't think they're going through bullet through bullet points with Bob Iger about every single thing that they want to do. But a lot of that stuff was in the pipeline when he was there
1: it's true started
2: (laughs) yeah i think chapik while chapik may not have made some of the best decisions i think chapik is is really getting scapegoated Mm -hmm. for a lot of things that were already kind of in the pipeline during Iger's tenure but but yeah i mean i think they looked at like yeah we tried to do too much now we see like we we wanted to do this 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 and this now we know we don't have the we don't have the uh, infrastructure in place to make all of this stuff as good as what we did in phases one two and three so it's like okay we've learned we've learned a uh, a valuable lesson and now we know we're going to scale back and the uh, strike ended up being a kind of a blessing in disguise for them that they were able to kind of wipe the slit not wipe the slate clean but really take a second look at like what's working, what's not, let's make some delays, let's really fine tune what we have, and carve a clear path going forward. Um, So I think ultimately, this probably, this is a good thing. I mean, they're, they're understanding and acknowledging that what has come before it is not doing what we want it to do. How do we, how do we fix it? Hmm. So I think ultimately, it's a good thing. But I do agree with (laughs) when you're when you're um reading little little uh snippets of quotes um and however the poster is framing it like can you believe he said this it's just like uh yeah i mean when you're taking something out of context you're not getting the whole message in terms of like the lack of executive oversight of the marvels um yeah he's not wrong i mean like we all like to bag on Rainey because he kind of stupidly said yeah i didn't want you know i didn't watch wandavision marvel needed to make it clear to him <laughs> that yeah. this is something you need this is something you need to do and the executives yeah. that are overseeing that script development need to be like oh wait a minute they're the ones that are responsible for saying this doesn't match up now in my brief career of writing i've had some i've had some really good executives who who bring up some very good points and who do have a knowledge of kind of the larger picture. I've also had some bad executives who who make really stupid observations and just say, just honor the note. Yeah. And it's like, that's a dumb note. <laughs> so, so uh, but again, I mean, I think one of the reasons Vogel is such a good showrunner is because of his... Because of his experience on that executive side. So that. not every executive is him. <laughs> but it's, but you do have good executives out there who do, who are off, who, who are able to offer some really valuable uh, pieces yeah. of information.
0: I mean, look—we have friends. Like, we mm-hmm. have friends who are writers. We have friends mm-hmm. who are actors. We have friends who are directors. But we also have a executives. lot of friends who are executives, yeah. and yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're and and they're pretty good at their jobs. Yes, yeah.
2: and two of them are listening right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, at some point, there's going to be a sequel to that MCU book, and I feel like that sequel is going to be talking about Phase Four and Phase Five even more, because I wonder if Feige behind the scenes. Hearing the criticism of some people, like "Oh, it's a Feige movie," they're just bringing in actors. It's a fact, or directors rather. It's a factory, blah blah blah. Maybe he felt, okay, you know what? I won't be as hard. I won't. I won't try to control it too much. I'll let them have a little more freedom. But in, but they've also got to add this stuff. They've also got to put this stuff in. And so maybe there's just kind of like they're not sinking in the way they did in the first three phases, right. and that's obvious. Everybody is noticing that, and there's nothing groundbreaking being said there, but. The idea of having more executives, I, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. There's a way to frame that where it doesn't sound like you're saying we need people on set well, to tell her what to do. And right, I've had that experience because I did I, when I first came to the city, uh, city or first came to that city in L.A. My first uh, film was Wind Talkers, and I, you know, got the SAG card. I was on set for six months of that film while they shot it. And the reason they brought it back from Hawaii to shoot in L.A. was because John Woo was going way over budget. So they had an executive on set every day, this old, crotchety, white-haired dude with a military hat on who stood behind Wu the whole time and said, you've got your take, move on. And it was one of the most unsettling things I saw. That was for three months out of the six months that I worked there, because or that I was there as an extra because he had gone over a uh, budget. So that I don't think would have worked to be on top of Nia DaCosta going, you know what, stop, you're done. You got your no. take, move on. That That is not how you want this whole thing to come about. So yeah, I reject the I executive think, thing, but yeah, go ahead. Man. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, and just to your point really quick, mm. I mean, kind of what you were talking about with your, the Marvel's issue with mm. the Amon Velani stuff is kind, I, I think yeah. a little bit of what he's talking about, about like messaging versus story, which is your your main issue right now is that when people are arguing about the Marvel's, a huge faction of social yeah. media is arguing about this movie is too woke why aren't you supporting this movie? It's girl power. And like, like everyone's arguing about the political optics of the movie, not the story. And the fact is whether you support women or you feel like comic books are, you know, like comic comic book characters being ruined and go woke, go broke, Mm -hmm. like whatever side of this you're on. And I think most of the people listening to us are more on the, you know, representation is good, but no one's arguing the story. And the, and as we've said, the story is the part that's not great. And so I think yeah. like had the Marvels been a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other issues would have fallen back and it still would have had great representation and it Ooh. still would have had a strong message. So I don't know. I think that he's not wrong that like we need to focus. They, yeah, they need like after watching the last few Marvel movies and some of the Star Wars stuff we have watched recently and Disney's Wish, I think they need to fix the uh, story and character. Yeah, yeah. So he's that's true
1: well I, and i will and i will say this because i mean yeah because the executive stuff is is what it is and the sequel stuff i think sequel are always a crap shoot so you can ascribe any kind of logic to lie to that it you just never know but the to me the the, the last quote is the thing that i focus on because for people of color for women you know it, for people who for lgbtq plus community and I'm, I'm not juliana Margulies speaking for them i'm just saying this situation here <laughs> uh it's a little it's a little coded language, and hey, that yes. is where the concern is. Is are is Bob saying essentially, "Come on back, red staters. We're going to stop focusing on people of color. We're going to stop focusing on, uh, you know, trans or LGBTQ plus representation, and we're going to be much more about let's get our white leads back who discover racism, discover misogyny, discover right. these things, and learn a lesson. And if we're going back to that, that is a regression." That I think is going to cause people to not watch the movies in just the equal amount of numbers of people as red staters that are not going to see these movies. So it's a it's a I don't envy Bob Iger's position or Feige's position because you've got to walk that line where you tell the message correctly, but also get as many people into the theaters to watch your film and enjoy your film because you have a good story, you know, way of water. Is a very big message movie, as was the first Avatar movie, both of them making billions of dollars. So and and same thing with um with Oppenheimer, which is the perils of nuclear war, and Barbie, which is the uh, issues going on with feminism. But of course, those are white-led films, not Avatar, but certainly oh well, you could argue that with Sam Worthington. But yeah, this I other blue it's a blue lead. Blue (laughs) lead. Yeah, fine. It's a blue whiteness. But yeah, but I mean with the other two, those are the things. So those are my concerns here. So I don't want them to regress back to what they were before just to get people back into the theater. But I I agree that better stories are important.
0: You know, I I do, but I do think you make a really good point. And I think that that's a fair critique is that it does come across like coded language. Yeah. I I think it's not accidental that he cited black Panther as an example of the movies that they want to be making. I think that that was uh, his way or somebody, somebody at Disney's way of being like, let's make it clear that we're not, saying white movies, why yeah. don't you talk about Black Panther but I think even with that example there's a fear and a concern that the coded language of let's let's avoid messaging means let's avoid more gay people let's avoid let's yeah. avoid trans people let's avoid there's too many people of color in leads like there's, there's that is the big concern yeah. and if that is the direction things go, I think there's gonna be uh, I think you're right I think that that would be a real shame. And I think that that's the danger of trying to avoid messaging.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think we can all agree, no matter what side of the fence you're on, messaging combined with a great story is the way to go. And you hopefully yeah.
0: are making those corrections. Well, through. and like Shannon said, which also I said, but like we're all saying the same thing, which is mm-hmm. if a story is really good and really powerful, the messaging yeah. should be inherent within that. It should be yeah. the same thing. Good point. All right. Well, there you
1: go. A little uh, fun, fun uh, weekend conversation here uh, for a number of topics on the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to us on our podcast feed. Shannon, what do we have to tell
2: yeah if you would like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy it is not at fussy max yet if you would like to follow <laughs> vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca
1: says oh mikey <laughs>
0: Look, whether you want to rage on Amon Velani or you want to avoid sand at all cost, we have everything for you here at The Geek Buddies. Uh, Here's what you can do for us. Smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the content he's got there. Leave your comments below. We talked about a lot of stuff. There are a lot of opinions flying around today. I know you all have opinions too, so leave your thoughts below. Let us know what you thought about everything. If you're listening to us on a podcast right now, leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings there. And as always, the best thing that all of you can do is retweet this video. video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There
1: you go. All right, y'all take care of yourselves, be well, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week with another another brand new episode here of
0: The Geek
1: Buddies!